We've been in a series called Revival. And uh, how, many, how many like the idea of revival? How many li- I mean, we like that idea, right? And now look, I know this is 8.30 service, but y'all going to have to wake up a little bit or get the extra shot of espresso at the cafe before you come in. But I just want to say revival is such a special thing, and it's so needed in all of our lives. But, you know, as I grew up, you know, I grew up in a pastor's home, and, and what was interesting was that always I would, uh, we would have revivals like every month. It was like revivals. I, my dad was a tent preacher, he, you know, so it was like, it, that was our life. That was, you know, revival was our life. <clears throat> but there's a difference between revival and a series of meetings set up for people to hear the gospel. And it's beautiful moments. But revival is something where God pours out His Spirit upon His people. And that, my friends, is what we are seeing around the world. But today as I, as I was doing this and as we're pre- preparing for this and I'm praying, God, what do I need to, how do I wrap this up as we move into the Easter season? And I kept coming back to this, yeah, I'm a visual person, so a lot of times when I feel like God's speaking to me, it's a visual thing, and I kept getting this image of a stop sign, a stop sign, and a roadblock, and I was like, oh, that's great. What is that? What in the world does that mean? And as I started praying through it, I started understanding what I felt like God was placing in me for you today. So if you would, would you just stand to your feet this morning as we read the Word of God together? And I'm going to take you way back into a story in the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 14. And I just want to read a few scriptures out of that. So Exodus chapter 14 verses 10 through 13. And when Pharaoh drew near, now remember this is the, the, Israel, or the Hebrew children, they're escaping from captivity, they've been released by the Pharaoh, and they're, they're headed out. And now they find themselves at the Red Sea. They find themselves at a barrier to what is ahead of them. So, and when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Sounds like uh, a lot of believers, doesn't it? Why have you dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Verse 13. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. Let's pray. Father, today as we spend some time digging into your word, I pray, God, you would speak to us clearly. That, Father, as this seed is sown into our hearts, I pray that our hearts are fertile and that that seed 
would bring back a harvest of good in every one of our lives. I pray, God, you would convict us today because we need to be better and stronger. And Lord, today I pray as always, when we complete our time this morning together, that Lord, we would be better because of being in this place, in this moment, with these people, with your word. Change us, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And amen. You can be seated. Well, I want to start with a question. How many of you are, have to drive in traffic through the week? Anybody have to drive to work in traffic and all that nonsense? Man, first I have one question for you. How do you stay saved? I mean, that's, you know, I mean, have you ever questioned your salvation when you're in traffic? You know, and you know what, the worst, the worst offenders when you're in traffic and that seem to make you the maddest is when they finally get past you and you realize they've either got a church sticker on the back of their car or a Jesus fish. You know, and you're like going, that guy was just speaking to me in sign language and he's got the Jesus thing, you know, and I was like, man, are you kidding me? You know, it's amazing to me the stress that we can run into in those moments and all of that. And, you know, the obstacles that we run into when we're facing traffic, like uh, uh, slow drivers. You know, it's like if you're coming from another state and you're moving, you, you need to realize we like to get where we're going fast. Yes. You know, I was talking to one of my friends from California, and he goes, man, he goes, it, it, 45 minutes, that, that's nothing. You know, it takes six hours, you know, to get anywhere in, in California. And I'm like thinking, yeah, well, you are in Tennessee, middle Tennessee. We like to be where we, we if we could do the Star Trek, beam me up and get me over, that's what we would be doing. But slow drivers, they'll drive you crazy, right? Slow drivers, uh, how about this? They're always doing construction, construction always everywhere, and you're like going, can you not do that during peak times? There's got to be an answer, but it's frustrating. How about this? Have you ever been going somewhere and you start heading down the path in the directions that you know to go and you get there and there is a roadblock directing you, detouring you, telling you to go another way and you're going, but I don't know another way. You know, there, that's the story. Really, when we look at this, it's also the story of the road to revival. When we think about these things, I want you to understand that there are going to be barriers and blockages and all kinds of things that are going to try to point you into a different direction. Because here's what I know about every person that's in this room today. That every one of you have a call of God on your life. There is an anointing that God has for each one of you. But the problem is most people never arrive completely there because they get distracted or dismayed because a roadblock or a stop sign has popped up in their life. And that's what I want to dig into today because I want to talk to you about the things that hinder you from getting to where you need to be. Have any of you ever been held up on your journey? Let's just talk about your Christian faith as a believer. Have you ever just been like, man, I thought I would be a lot further than where I am right now. I think I have that prayer with God all the time. You know, God, you know, I'm 54, you know, and people say, well, that's not very old. I agree. That is not old at all. When I was 20, it was really old. And at 54, it ain't old at all. I see some of my friends who are in their 80s. I'm going, y'all young. We're just claiming it right now. You know, it's like, we're good. 
But what I do realize in my 50s is, you know, there's more behind me than there is ahead of me. And you start thinking a little different. And there are times when I'm going, you know what, God, there's so much left to do. And I thought I'd be so much further along in this or that. And then I get convicted. Because I've learned over the years to not question the timing of God. Because his time is perfect. He knows when things need to happen. Our job is to learn to be patient and say, God, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to walk in what I need to be walking in because I realize there is an enemy that's out to destroy me. We all have pharaohs in our life. And if you take off the disguise, it's the enemy, right? The enemy trying to destroy you and trying to keep you from being who God created you to be. Trying to keep you from being the worshiper that God called you to be. To get you to not be the husband, the priest of your home that God has called you to be. To not be the mother and the wife that God called you to be. When we go all down that, you need to understand that the enemy's goal for your life is destruction. So if he can pull us away get us afraid of what's happening and afraid of what's about to happen, then he is automatically in a place of power over your life. And God did not call you to be under the foot or under the thumb of the enemy. You are called to be an overcomer. And that's what I really want you to grab a hold of today. Because life has a lot of sudden twists and turns. There's a lot of things in life that happen that we don't understand, but I wonder If sometimes the very things that we think are roadblocks and stop signs might very well be the very thing that God's saying, I'm trying to take you down a different path because that's part of the mission that I have for you. See, when I think about this story in Exodus, when we think about this great, I mean, what kid that has been in church for any time does not know about the Red Sea experience, you know, the parting of the sea and walking across on dry land and all these things. But what I want to talk about is not necessarily the fact that the sea parted. We know that and we know God is able. But I want to talk about the emotions that were involved before that happened. Because remember, there was a cloud that led them through that, right? So here's what's funny is, so they get to this impasse. You know, it's amazing to me that if there is an angel of the Lord, which is what the Bible says that was, there's an angel of the Lord that's watching over you, that's protecting, and it's manifesting visibly, right? All this. If you can doubt in that situation, you got some doubting issues. So here they are, they're at the Red Sea. Moses is like saying, no, you've got to be, be cool. You know that's how I really talk, not that stuff. You know, it's like, we need a new translation, right? But it's like, you know, y'all be cool, calm down, because you're about to see God do a miracle. Sometimes I feel like I'm him. And I'm telling people, don't give up, because you're just now in the right spot for God to give you a miracle. Don't give up. It may not always look like what you thought it would look like, but we have to trust that God has a path for us. And I love this because what happens, they run into this barricade, this obstacle that seems absolutely impossible. And they get there, and the angel of the Lord that was leading them now moves 
behind them as a cloud of darkness, and the cloud of darkness spreads all over the enemy, and there it's dark, and on their side, it's light. He's letting them see, and he's got the enemy in confusion. And while all that's going on, the Lord is slowing down the enemy that was after them and preparing the way for them to walk over in one of the greatest victories that the world would ever have happen. But we read these stories, and sometimes we read them, and we go, man, that's an awesome story, but we don't apply them to us because I've been in some difficult situations too where I was challenged and that, that fear wanted to come on you. Those times when, no, 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 I know God's able, I know God's able, but man, this is heavy. You know, this is a real deal. This is scary, Lord. But yet we find ourselves in that place where we need to find our faith and our trust in the God who makes a way where there seems to be no way. That's his specialty is taking care of the obstacles in your life. But many people grow angry, they grow frustrated because these things happen in their lives. And the danger is that we get so consumed with the obstacle that we never see past the obstacle. So let me, let me share this with you because in Paul's second missionary journey, it's really interesting, and I'm not going to go through the scripture on this, you can look it up. But in Paul's second ministry, uh, missionary journey, it was all full of all kinds of crazy twists and turns. As a matter of fact, one of them is when they were going to evangelize Asia. And they went and they got there and the obstacle came from a position, from a place where they didn't expect it. You know, we expect the enemy to be a hindrance. We expect all that. You know, we expect, you know, the devil to try to mess us up, right? Well, this time it was the Holy Spirit. He said the Spirit wouldn't allow them to go. But this is where we're supposed to go to evangelize. This is a good thing. We're going to spread the gospel. But the Holy Spirit said no. Now, Paul could have dismissed what he had from the Holy Spirit and went his own way, but who knows what would have happened. The thing is, is what they thought was a stop sign, what they thought was an obstacle that caused them to detour around another way, actually opened up a brand new territory to spread the gospel in deeper places than they had expected to be able to go to. So sometimes the very things that we think are the obstacles or the things that are limiting us may be the very things that God said, no, 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 I want you to understand. I've got this, and if you'll trust me, I'm going to carry you to the other side of that obstacle. That's powerful to me. As a matter of fact, in 1 Thessalonians, I love this, in verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 18, Paul's actually talking about the same thing that there's hindrances. He says, therefore, we wanted to come to you. Even I, Paul, talking about, you know, here he is, the apostle. He's this guy that's doing the work of the Lord. Even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. So what I'm trying to tell you is there are different hindrances in your life, and sometimes God is not saying, no, 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 I need you to stop. He's saying, I need you to realize I'm leading you down a different path. Then there's times when the enemy has got in your path and he wants to stop you no matter what. The problem when it's the enemy is people tend to get their focus on the obstacle instead of beyond the obstacle. So, but you don't understand, Pastor, I can't get over this temptation. I can't fight this. Yes, you can. You have to look beyond the temptation. 
You have to look beyond the issue and say, okay, God, who do I need to be in this moment? God, I know you're going to lead me and I need to trust you. So here's what I want to do today in the time I've got is I want to help you with two issues that could hinder you from your breakthrough. Two issues, and I'm going to give you two, give them to you up front. The first one is this, clinging too tightly to your past will keep you from your breakthrough. It can become a barrier, a blockage, a roadblock. And the other one is this, getting stuck in self-pity. So let's just talk about those two in the time that we've got. And I want to start with this first key thought that I, I think will really help you. Many struggle to arrive at their destination because they allow the enemy to use their past as a roadblock to their destiny. How many times do we see this as so true? How many times do we see it where we realize that my past, with the past that I have, how in the world can God use me? Because you don't understand, Pastor, I made some real mistakes along the way. And when you want to talk about a roadblock, the enemy didn't even put it there. I put it there because I'm an idiot. Come on, anybody. Is that not just real talk? It's like, you know, it's like there's not a devil behind every bush. Sometimes it's just you. But what the enemy will do is he'll use that mistake to be a roadblock to dismiss your faith, to try to discount who God's called you to be, and you've got to learn. You've got to learn to speak to that with boldness and say, yeah, I know who I used to be, but that's not who I am anymore. See, when you take on that stance and you really lay down your past, the enemy cannot use it against you anymore. You know, it's, it's funny because I look back and, and you know, it's like uh, I run into people all the time or there's, a, a, you know, pictures or videos or something from my past will pop up on social media somewhere and they'll look at me and go, that's our pastor? <laughs> and I'm like, eh, yeah. Well, not at the moment back then, but, you know, and they're saying, you know, it's like all the things. And I have people that I run into still to this day that'll, that'll be like, you mean, you're really, really a pastor? You know, it's like, I could never have seen that. Me either. <laughs> and, and I laugh because here's the thing. And when people bring up things of my past, I just laugh and say, you know what? There's no need to even talk about it because that guy, he died. Because when I came to Jesus, he forgave me. He washed it away. I don't have to worry about it anymore. Because I'm brand new. And now the reason is we need to learn from our past mistakes, but we can't let our past mistakes haunt us or keep us from moving across the Red Sea. It was like the Israelites, I mean, when the Hebrew children, when they came to that place, what was their first response? The emotional response that they had in that moment was, let's just go back to slavery. Why in the world did you think we could be free? We can't be free. Don't you know who we are? We sang a song about it today. I know who I am. And sometimes, and that's what, that's what Moses was saying. No, no, no. Remember who you are. Be still and know that I am able, well able to handle your situation, well able to walk beyond your issue. But we've got to let go of our poor choices. We've got to let go of the things that we did and move forward as new people. And I want to speak to that just for a moment. To move forward as new people, 
you need to let go of your past. If God has set you free from an addiction, don't pick the chains up again. You say, well, what does that even look like? What does that even mean? I've seen it so many times in my life. Is God miraculously miraculously sets somebody free, does something amazing in their life, and then they place themselves back in a situation that they think that I'm so ready for this. And I'm just telling you, no, you're not. I've heard people this that say, you know, it's like, well, yes, I used to have a problem with alcohol and drugs and all those things. But, you know, there's there's a lot of lost people at the club. Somebody's got to go evangelize their pastor. I said, you are right, but not you. Sometimes it's just dumb, right? And once again, we get the, us. We do stupid things. But what I want you to understand is we need to make sure that we're walking in this correctly with an understanding of what Micah tries to make us see. Because Micah, in chapter 7, verse 19, is talking about our sins. The sins that beat us up, the sins that keep coming back in your mind, telling you, oh, I can't believe I did that. I'm such a disappointment to God. But he says here, he will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. I love that line right there. He will subdue our iniquities. I'm sure you could find a translation that says it a lot nicer. I like it like that. He will subdue our iniquities. In other words, he says, I will subdue the sin. I will take care of the things that you've done wrong. It's under you. It's under me. And I've got it. You need to let me have it. But most of us don't want to let God have it. It's like, oh, you don't understand. I'm I'm awful. I I sit with people all the time and say, Pastor, you just don't understand. You just don't understand. No, you don't apparently understand. Because we could all be sitting in that seat. But we have to remember, no, no, Jesus forgave me. And I love this. He says, you will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, where's that scripture, Pastor, where it says God will take all of our sins and cast it into the sea of forgetfulness? I said, it's not in the Bible. And they went, what? I said, no, it's not in the Bible. It's, it's taken from the Bible. And it's a correct understanding of what God does. But it's this. He says, you're going to cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. Another scripture says that it's as if our sins are forgotten. And what we need to understand is that God says, I have forgiven you. Don't pick up, don't pick that up again. Walk forward. And you know, you're going to fall down, everybody. You're going to stumble sometimes. But don't let the enemy win because you made a mistake. You get back up and you say, you know what? As, uh, as John Maxwell once said, don't fall backward, or don't fail backwards, fail forward. I loved that. If you're going to get knocked down, at least knock down that way. I'm gaining every inch that I can. And if I do get knocked down, I'm getting back up. That's what they teach us in the South, right? If they hit you hard and you fall down, you better get back up. But I just want you to understand, as a believer, we need to make sure that we're walking fully in the understanding that we cannot let the enemy use our past as a roadblock in our lives. So the problem is sometimes we get so focused on that barrier. We get so focused on our past, we can't see past it. Now let me flip that for a second. I have a few more minutes that I get in this service because there's a couple things that didn't happen. So 
and I'm going to take every minute I've got. So what I want you to see in this is there's a flip side to that as well. So you, you say, what, what, what are you talking about? When we see the barrier that we're focused on and we focus on our past, sometimes people focus on how good the past was and how today doesn't look like what yesterday looked like. It's the same concept, and it's the same issue. You know, we look back on yesterday, oh, that, that, those were the golden years. Were they really? I mean, just think about it for a minute. Were they really? It's like, oh, you know, when, when we were young and, and we had all this energy and we're out doing all this stuff and we're having fun. You know what? What I remember is this. When I was young and single <laughs> and broke, <laughs> right? But I look back and I realize, you know what? When I look at, now that I'm married and have kids and grandbabies and all that stuff, I can look back and I can glorify things that, oh boy, that was awesome. That was, but I forget all the struggle and the pain and the loneliness and all the things and the issues that haunted my life and all those things that were there. I was focusing on my past. So what I'm telling you, just like the Hebrew children, don't get focused on, well, we were slaves, but at least we had a, a, a roof over our heads. At least we had food to eat. You've got to sacrifice what was for what's about to come. And I believe that's a lesson we can all learn in every aspect of our lives. I love what it says in 1 Kings chapter 19. We talked about it last week where Elisha, Elijah came by and, uh, you know, and threw his cloak on his mantle on uh, Elisha's shoulders. And he was, you know, he's out... Uh, plowing fields with his oxen and his team and all that. And I love what he did. It says he, he killed the ox and broke the plow, burned it, and they ate the ox. Can I tell you the truth in our lives? You've been so focused on the rear end of your ox <laughs> that you can't see past it. I said that really nice. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, you're, thinking, you're, stare, you're staring at that rear end the whole time, and it's like, you know, I can't get past this. I can't get past this. Yeah, oh, yeah, you can kill it and move past. I love that because Elisha was saying, in other words, he says, I'm tired of this. I'm not going to keep living this way. I'm moving forward, and I have this opportunity that God has placed in my life, and I'm going for it. I'm not going back. It's burn the ships. Yes. I'm moving forward. I'm not going back. And I think that's an important concept, and I just... You know, think about Elisha for a minute, just as a conversation piece as we talk about this. You know, he followed one of the greatest Old Testament prophets in Scripture. Elijah did some crazy, amazing things through God. And now Elisha has replaced him. See, I kind of understand how Elisha might have felt. Because the first time that I started preaching... The first comments I would get was not, well, that was interesting. That was pretty good for a beginner. Well, you sure ain't your dad. That's what I got. <laughs> but think about Elisha. Elisha's going into a town. He goes, oh, there's Elisha. He's all right, but he ain't Elijah. He had to deal with those things. And those things can, can become an obstacle. They can become a roadblock because your emotions can take over and stop you. And we live in a culture of stop. If it doesn't feel right, if it doesn't feel good, if, it, if it's not easy, stop. 
Can I just tell you this? The road on your destiny, the road or the journey to your destiny is going to be fraught with difficulties and hardships. Because anybody that's ever been successful in their life or done anything well know that things that are easy, that come easy, they're just easy. The great things in life, you have to overcome some challenges. I mean, I'm looking around this room and some of you guys, you're sitting beside your beautiful spouses. I'm looking at that and thinking, God must really love you because you married way up. Come on, guys. I was trying to give you something there, so thank you. So when we look at this, I think it's important for us to realize we can get focused on the wrong things. So now let me talk about the last thing in just the last couple minutes that I've got is this. Don't allow yourself to get sucked into the trap of self-pity where the enemy attempts to distract you with destructive emotions that you know are not from God. Just keep that one up there for a minute. Because the first thing that we do when we're not taught to be mentally strong and spiritually tough is when things get difficult, we want to go back to the house. Well, I just want to go sit on the couch and, and watch TV. Let me just go back and it's like, well, if, God, if God's not going to move it, how can I move forward? Or we get into this, it's like, well, I don't know why God would do this for somebody but not for me. Why would God heal this person over here and not heal my family? We can go down a very destructive road very quickly of self-pity. And what I'm telling you right now is that self-pity is a weapon of the enemy. God did not call you to be pitiful. So don't let the enemy convince you that you are. You've got to fight self-pity because that's what happens. We hit that and we think, well, life's not fair. How many times have we heard that? Are you kidding? I want to say, how long have you been alive? It's like, you don't understand what my boss did. We've all had bosses. I've had some crappy jobs, everybody, just like you. One of my favorite, I was working in a factory. And my job from the entire shift was to take this one rod out of this box, take it into a machine and do that and put it in another box and get to do it all over again. You don't talk about hell for a creative. But I hated it. I loaded trucks for a trucking company. I'll never forget it. You want, listen, if you, if you want God to speak to you and convince you that you need to do something different, do something that you hate. That was the long-haired guy on the docks loading boxes in a truck in the middle of winter, in the dead winter. Nobody else wanted to work. That's when I got to work. I'd go in a deer suit, like a deer hunting suit, just to try to survive, you know. And, and, and what I learned through that, some people go, well, it's all over. Now this is what I'm stuck with. Now, some people love those things. And just, this is just a personal talk. But I could have gotten stuck in that and say, well, God's not going to come through on this. I guess this is what I'm stuck with. But what God did was he helped me see past the obstacle. Thank God I had great people in my life that helped me see beyond that obstacle. And I used that where I was working right then where I hated it. And I used that as motivation to start my first business. 
See, I think that's the kind of mindset that we've got to have is I'm not going to get stuck looking at the obstacle and getting stuck in the fear and doubt that will lead me to a place of self-pity that just does nothing but erode my faith. Because all those emotional traps are right there. I love this. You say, well, how do I do that? I'll give you one scripture. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27 says, it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt not fearing the king's anger. That's a bold statement right there. He kept right on going because, this is the part I want you to get, because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. In other words, he kept his attention, his focus on the God that created him and called him into what he was doing. So today, you want revival? Look past the things that are hindering you. Look past it and see beyond it and recognize that God, he's amazing. Sometimes he'll just obliterate. If the enemy's put an obstacle up there, some, he'll just knock it out. He'll just take it away. There are other times that God leads you down a little detour along the way. And here's what I've learned. Some of the greatest experiences of my life came because of detours on my journey of faith. Some of the greatest relationships that I found were due to those things that I thought was a stumbling block and ended up become, becoming that place where God was redirecting me. So I just want to encourage you. Today, stop looking and focusing on the problem that's ahead of you and start focusing on the God who's able to deliver you or to carry you through. That's the God that we serve. And that, my friends, will bring revival and awakening in your life faster than anything else that I can think of right now. God wants to pour his spirit out, remove the obstacles, or move beyond what's keeping you bound. Right? I love that. I love that story. So to wrap it all up, Moses they get across the Red Sea, and he's made this statement. He said, God's going to do something amazing. And it's interesting how God works. So they get all the way across on dry land. But what's going to stop the enemy from doing the same thing? I don't know how long it takes for it to fall back into place. I don't know any of those things. You know, who knows? But the Word says that the enemy started trying to cross over just like they did. And the Lord troubled the chariots. In other words, they start having mechanical issues. Maybe, I, you know, that's, well, that's the way I read it. And I'm looking at it's all these different issues. God was slowing them down, and he set up a trap for the enemy. I love that. He set up a trap for the enemy. And when he said, these enemies that you see today, you'll see no more, they didn't have to worry about that threat anymore once they moved past it. So I want to encourage you, move past the enemy's stronghold in your life, the enemy's roadblock in your life, and you watch what God will do. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Father, today we give you praise, God. We thank you for you are so, so good. 
And Father, today as we close our time together, I I pray, Father, that the word that we shared will, God, it will just grab a hold of us and help us to embrace an outpouring of your spirit in a way that we've never experienced in our lifetimes. And Father, right now, I pray this for those who have struggled, who have been stuck because of a roadblock. God, you will show them the path. You will walk it out with them. Give them faith and confidence in you. Because we need you today, God, more than ever before we need you, Lord. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here today and say, you know, Pastor, I... I grew up in church. I know all about the church stuff. I grew up in this, but the real truth is is that I know that there is sin in my life. There's things that I know are not honoring God, and I need to make it right. I need to repent. Maybe you're here today, and you say, I've never really received Christ. Well, can I tell you something? This is your day, and it will change you. So maybe you're here with every head bowed, every eye closed, and you say, Pastor, that's me. Today I need to make a decision for Jesus. I need to make a decision. I need to repent of my sin. I need to leave this building knowing where I stand with the Almighty God. If that's you, would you slip your hand up real quick and just say, Pastor, remember me. I need it. I know I do. Amen. Amen. Now you're here today and you say, Pastor, you know what? I've allowed some roadblocks to hinder me. And this week, I need you to be praying for me. I need you to be praying because I know that I need to look beyond some stuff and I know it's going to take some mental shifts and I need the Lord to give me the strength to change some stuff. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, be praying for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yep, hands going up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes. Amen, amen, amen. Yeah. Anybody else? I don't want to miss a hand. Yep, thank you. You can place your hands back down. I'm going to ask you all to stand to your feet this morning. And I'm going to ask our altar workers and pastors that are available to join us in the front very quickly. And I just want to remind you, we're going to say a couple of prayers today. And then we're going to open these altars. And I just want you to know, if you're here and you need prayer, maybe you're here and you know, you're, you're sick in body, whatever's going on, God can touch you and God can change you. That's why we're here today. And we want to pray for you. There's something powerful that happens when believers come into agreement. So here's what I want to do. Number one, maybe you raised your hand and said, I need to get right with God. We're going to say this simple prayer. And you say, well, does the prayer save me? No, the prayer doesn't save you. You've already made the choice. The prayer is the next step where the Bible says, if you're faithful to confess your sins, then I'll be faithful to forgive you of all unrighteousness. That's what we do. We verbalize it. So I want us to pray that together in this house as a family. Would you mind? Just bow your heads and let's pray. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and make me new. I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior right now. I repent of my sin and I turn away from my past. Today I am forgiven and I'm a new creation. In Jesus' name I pray. 
Amen and amen. Can you give the Lord some praise today? That's awesome.